I left the city, I've been browsed. Treading water that they drowned. My head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to episode 167 of the Smash Accept podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at DynastyDadFF. Joined, as always, by my co-host, FFA underscore Mung. How are you doing tonight, brother? Doing great. Uh, I've been loving Twitter this week, reading up on Scott Fishbowl. Uh, my draft doesn't start until Saturday, so hopefully I can put some of that ADP knowledge to good use. But uh, we'll see. It's been uh, it's been a fun, good July so far. I had a good holiday. How about you? Yeah, no, it's awesome. We had Scott Fishbowl live uh, this past Sunday with my my son there, and we just we had, we had such a great time. You you get a little bit of advantage here. We were blazing the ADP. You know, you get to to see that out there a little bit. And this is just a fun time of year because we're getting closer to football, right? It's the dog days of summer. People are trying to create news. They're trying to create trades. Most of my leagues have gotten a little stagnant. I don't know how yours are, but the trades just aren't happening right now. We have a lot of trades to go over tonight, but I think sometimes people get into this dog days of summer mung and they just make trades because they're bored you know and that's something that we talk about every year don't just make trades just to make them make sure we have a purpose for them talk to me a little bit about your leagues right now because i mean i'm in 17 and we have had one trade across all of them this entire week like there's so many other things going on with scott fishbowl and things like that but i'm seeing a lot of trades getting sent to me like should i do this and a lot of them i'm like this feels like someone's just tinkering well, you could have more trades uh, going on in your leagues if you had accepted my offer for Devon H. But uh, that, <laughs> that aside, uh, I do have one home league that's uh, drafting late for the rookie draft that's mm-hmm. happening in next week. So I'm looking forward to that one. Um, I've had a few offers here and there, but yeah, this is definitely a slower part of the offseason. And I know we've talked about this on previous shows, but just a reminder that we're about two months away from needing to set a starting lineup. So it's okay if you have a completely blank spot, if you have zero running backs or zero tight ends for whatever reason, it's fine. Mm-hmm. So again, I think it's a good time to potentially make trades on guys that you think are going to have highlight reel type of games or uh, type of catches or so in training camp, right? Those are starting up in a couple weeks. So if you want to try and buy low on some of these rookies, <coughs> Zay Flowers, <coughs> who I'm very high on, who... <laughs> I think is going to blow up during training camp. So guys like that, who you may want to try and make offers on right now, or the time has the windows kind of shut right on Alvin Kamara. Now that he's pleaded down to a misdemeanor, Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see his value rise. So if you're waiting to buy low on him, uh, you might want to send those offers right now. Yeah. And I think that that news is absolutely huge. I think we got to look at this two different ways, right? Like a lot of people are over hyping that Saquon Barkley's kind of in a, in a little bit of a standstill here with, with contracts and not necessarily wanting to play on, you know, on the, the franchise tag. And then on the flip side, we've been saying for months that Alvin Kamara is a little bit too cheap. I mean, he, I think I got him as late as the 11th round in a startup. Now is a, a time where if you've held on to him and you're, you're not contending, now is the time to start kicking the tires because I think that New Orleans situation is going to be interesting, right? I think Kendra Miller went from a late first. Now people are selling him for seconds, and I'm seeing I would be all in on that trying to go there because I feel like he's the guy for the future there. I think Jamal Williams is the guy that this hurts the most. You know, I think that we're in a in a weird situation. But if you have Alvin Kamara and you've been holding him, now would be the time to sell. But kick the tires, you know. You never know what you're going to be able to get. We have a couple Alvin Kamara trades to talk about. So let's just jump right in on the trades because this is what we do, right? Like we're going to break down some of these. Uh, the first one was sent in from Nathan Alt- Althoff, and his Twitter handle is at Mountain Man Mountain MT. Uh, thoughts on this trade: a rebuilding trade 
He gives up Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. He gets Amon Ra, St. Brown, and a mid-24 first. Now, before we get into this, I mean, I know you and I have Garrett Wilson and Amon Ra in that similar tier, and we talk about this all the time, right? Like, if you can get something on top in a tier, to me, this is an absolute smash, except to be able to get yourself into a situation where, you're, you know, Elijah Moore is a nice piece, but you get Amon Ra in that mid-first next year as opposed to Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. How are you feeling on this one? I lean Amon Ra St. Brown plus the first as well. I, I do prefer Wilson, but at the same time, that first could hold so much value when we're talking a few months out even or even a year out. And while I am excited a little bit about Elijah Moore, he's been getting quite a bit of hype through OTAs and everything. We have yet to see what this Browns offense is going to look like with Deshaun Watson. Hopefully he looks better than he did the last few games of the 2022 season. But overall, I, I do think it's a fairly close trade, but I would lean the first side as well. And I think it, it's actually good to talk about Elijah Moore because Elijah Moore is someone that, you know, his value, he had that phenomenal rookie season. You know, we know he had that stretch over the final eight games there where, where he looked legit. Like he was a guy that was going, I believe, fifth round startup value. He, he crept all the way up to there. Now he's gotten himself down in that, you know, I believe he's going in rounds. Let me see real quick. Uh, he is going in the 10th round of startups right now. He's become a, a, an interesting value. How do you see things? I know you. we talked about Donovan Peoples-Jones in previous podcasts. Amari Cooper is still the guy, still a guy that I think is just way undervalued in, in Dynasty. But where do you think the targets start to spread out and where would you be comfortable taking Elijah Moore? It's really tough to project because we just don't know what this offense is going to look like. They've talked this offseason about wanting to focus on Watson commanding this offense, so possibly less run-heavy and more pass-heavy. That would certainly help all parties involved here. I think Moore is about properly priced. He's in that post-hype sleeper range, right? Still fairly young, definitely flashed as a rookie, just wasn't used as all at all as a sophomore. And now with a new change in scenery, we're hoping that 2023 is going to be better in terms of targets and production. So I wouldn't go out and pay a first for him, but I think early second, given his range of outcomes, is about right. Absolutely. I'm with you. And I think since we're on that same trade, I mean, the Garrett Wilson hype train has gone from, you know, mid third to late second to smash except 11. He went 201. And I, I think that is generally where he's going right now. The dynasty community as a whole is valuing him in that same tier as CD Lamb, AJ Brown, above Waddle, above Amon Ross St. Brown. And, you know, I think we're in an area where we might have to pump the brakes a little bit. I, I know we want to say Aaron Rodgers is going to come in and, and, and light things up, but where do you have Garrett Wilson ranked right now in your, in your redraft wide receivers? Cause this is an area where I think he's gotten himself into an area where, we're going to talk about some dynasty trades here. It is it is some serious firepower to try to accumulate Garrett Wilson right now. Let me check. I haven't opened those up in a little bit, but I believe he's in that back-end wide receiver one range okay. where I know some people have reservations about volume because of how good the Jets' defense is projected to be. But I do think that's offset a little bit by Aaron Rodgers' tendency to hyper-target his number one wide receiver, right? And yeah. I'm not saying Garrett Wilson is on the same level as Devontae Adams just yet, but we could definitely see him getting there based on what he showed as a rookie. And certainly if he can build that chemistry with Rodgers, it's not out of the question. I'm not projecting him to finish as the top overall wide receiver in fantasy this year, but we could see it happening, right? It's within his range of outcomes. And that's partially why his value is so high, but also the name value. So yeah, and the, go ahead. The question that I keep getting is, would you trade Justin Jefferson for Garrett Wilson in a mid-24 first? I've been saying no across the board. Garrett Wilson does have the range of outcomes too, out of anybody that's in that next tier down to even be considered in that Jefferson chase tier. I don't think, you know, he would have to have what, 1,600 yards and 10 10, 12 touchdowns, but he had the great rookie season. If he does it again, he's going to start being in that conversation. So people are starting to talk about, you know, dad, you're always talking about insulated trades. Should I move off of Jefferson to Garrett Wilson? My answer has been no across the board because we want Garrett Wilson to become Justin Jefferson. But I do feel like it's at least starting to be something that we can talk about now. 
I don't think it's crazy just because of our expectations for this 2024 class. If that first has the potential to be top three, top four, I would definitely consider that. Uh, if you could even get Wilson plus, say, a mid-2021 plus second, again, that's something I would consider. So I, I, don't, I don't have them that far apart where if I'm getting that much draft capital in return, I think I would be okay moving off of Jefferson for that package. I feel like a lot of people now that drafted Garrett Wilson are almost moving off in some areas. I mean, I saw a trade here. I think you'll like this. Garrett Wilson for Jalen Waddle, Devin A-Chain, and a 24-second. Is that a smash except for you getting you know those three pieces for Garrett Wilson? Yeah, definitely. We've talked before about how high I am on A-Chain uh, and Waddle as well, that Miami offense in general, I want a lot of pieces of, and I don't see a huge gap between Waddle and Wilson, if any. So getting what I see as a late first plus a second on top, I would gladly take that. Yeah, another one I see, Garrett Wilson for Jordan Addison in two twenty-four firsts. I mean, this is an area – Jordan Addison is stepping into Minnesota here where, you know, we, we had Adam Thielen get 107 targets, get 17 red zone targets. I mean, I think Jordan Addison, for me, has the highest floor for 2023 as a rookie uh, – highest ceiling mm-hmm. – out of that rookie class from the wide receiver position. If you can get two 24 firsts on top of that, that is insane insulation where Jordan Addison is someone that currently going in that mid fifth round who could rise into that, you know, if he has a season comparable to that could move himself into that three, four range easily. And I think ultimately becomes an instant value. Another trade that I see here, another one that would probably tug at your heartstrings is Travis Etienne, Trey Lance, Deontay Johnson, three for one for Garrett Wilson. Yeah, that's a lot to put in stock into a second-year wide receiver who could go supernova, but who could also, like some people have said, potentially see a little bit less volume with the defense. I think it's fair given the market values. I lean the package, but I could understand taking Wilson, especially if you think you could then flip him for even more, right? I'm seeing Wilson go sometimes for three firsts, something like that. Mm A lot of people are are already valuing him close to that Chase and Jefferson tier, which I think is a little bit too much. Um, but again, it, it all comes down to what you think he's worth in your league, because I do think a lot of people would not trade him for that package and that you could get more potentially. I like it. And I, I think everyone's trying to take that second year wide receiver and buy him before year three, right? Like, cause they want to get out ahead of where Jefferson was. They saw what he did and then they saw what Chase did. And, and I think he's in that similar type mold. Another guy that's in that area that people are buying and paying heavy, heavy premiums for is Chris Olave. So I think, I think Chris Olave, the interesting trade here sent in from Jose E. Um, he sent in AJ Brown and Jarek McKinnon on side one side two is Chris Olave and Antonio Gibson. So how do you see that one? Give me that one one more time. A.J. Brown and Jarek McKinnon, Chris Olave, and Antonio Gibson. So is Antonio Gibson upgrade from McKinnon enough to move off of A.J. Brown to Chris Olave? I like Olave quite a bit, but I still prefer A.J. Brown here. I think the Eagles are going to pass a little bit more this year, and Brown is a clear, clear number one wide receiver. I don't know that Michael Thomas is going to stay healthy, so I do see Olave as the number one in New Orleans as well. But I do think they're going to be fairly run heavy, and I don't know how much I believe in Carr just yet to really, truly get the ceiling scenario out of Olave. So while I do like him, I would want to get a first on top if I'm selling A.J. Brown. Gibson doesn't quite do it for me. Yeah, I'm with you there completely. I mean, I think Chris Olave's moved himself into that 210 to 212 uh, startup range. I just think A.J. Brown is on another level. We've already seen it there. Um Interesting type trade for Chris Olave. This this one, we talk about moving off of Jefferson to get one of these guys. A guy recently traded Jefferson and Jamison Williams for Chris Olave, Anthony Richardson in a 24 first. So this puts you in an area where, you know, this is 12-team super flex. Anthony Richardson, I know, is someone that you're buying in heavily. So you get Olave, Richardson in a first for Jefferson and Jamison Williams. This kind of feels like the trade that I'm trying to make. Like, this is a trade where I get three shots at elite prospects. Yeah, I would break my finger accepting that trade. Um, you're In my eyes, Richardson is already close to Jefferson based on what we can see from him in Superflex. 
mm-hmm. just the value of elite quarterbacks, especially with his rushing potential. So I view this as basically getting Alave and a first for Jameson Williams, which is absolutely insane value. Huge smash, except uh, for me right now, I want to talk a little bit about Anthony Richardson because he's in rookie drafts. Absolutely, man. 102, no questions asked. I'm not even debating it. You know, and I know you've talked about even even up to 101. But right now, a lot of people are really investing in in redraft. And it's like if you look at Lamar Jackson, if you look at Justin Fields, if you looked at a lot of these guys with that same career arc, the same, you know, playing style. It wasn't until year two where we saw the real breakout. How high up would you consider taking Anthony Richardson in redraft? And, I mean, a lot of people really are investing heavily on their win-now teams. They're taking him at 201, 202, you know, and then might not get that same return year one. So what are you expecting from him out of year one? Yeah, I've got him at QB10 in redraft, so I'm fairly high on him. I think he's adequately priced where he's going so far this summer uh, in best ball formats. I don't know that his ADP is going to stay that high once we get to redraft season. I do think a lot of redraft players are going to be more hesitant on the rookie quarterbacks, especially after they got burnt by Trey Lance last year. Mm -hmm. And I think the difference here is, one, Richardson is much more of a runner than Lance ever was, and two, it's the coaching because we've seen that Shane Steichen, who had Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia, is not going to shy away from running Richardson near the goal line on those sneaks. And I do think that even if he struggles as a passer year one, we've seen that before Jalen Hurts broke out last year, he was returning fantasy value even just as a runner. And Josh Allen was throwing like 20 interceptions a year when he was young, but he was still a fantasy monster because of that rushing production. So I'm not too worried about any passing deficiencies. I think that'll come in time. And I do think he can be a top 12 fantasy quarterback, even as a rookie. I like it a lot. I'm going to talk about the next trade here sent in from uh, at Vic Shimmy. He sent in, and this is one that I really wanted to talk about. Um, is is a startup trade and that's something right now that we're working on for the patreon as far as startup values a lot of you guys are asking how do i trade this player that player and I, you know we have rooms in there for your startup picks as well as on the clock help but a lot of people really struggle with in in draft trades so the first one is cd lamb which was the 112 so he drafted cd lamb at 112 and then someone instantly wanted to trade so 112 903 and 1007 for 311, 408, and 501. Now, I, I did a pod like two weeks ago really talking about trying to um, condense and really try to consolidate your picks inside those top 10 picks. Is Lamb worth enough for you to move back you know, to 311 and get the 408 and 511? Yeah, absolutely. You're talking about guys worth rookie firsts, maybe more in that range still. And I like Lamb, but I do think there's some risk with the coaching change. Um, We're expecting the Cowboys to play a little bit slower after they got rid of Kellen Moore. I don't know how much I believe in Mike McCarthy running the offense. So I I think there's definitely some risk with Lamb, and I would be happy to sell him if you're getting that much profit on top. And I want to talk to you about how you look to do this, because people are always saying, you know, when you do this, how do you know what's in that range? And I, I like to look at the, the ADP within five spots there, you know. So this trade ultimately just looks like a bunch of numbers, CD Lamb and some players. When you really start to break it down, the 308, that's about T. Higgins area. The 408, that's Josh Jacobs. The five, I believe, 511, that puts you in an area where you're looking at, you know, Michael Pittman or – uh, DJ Moore, maybe even George Kittle. So you're looking at three wide receivers there. You look at a CD Lamb at 112, and then you try to break in what happens in rounds nine and ten. So you'd be looking at Kadarius Tony, CD Lamb, and Keenan Allen type for Jacobs, um, T Higgins, and like a Michael Pittman. So ultimately. You know, there's different strategies to how to do this, but I love love guys in that three to five range. How do you do it when when people are like, hey, I want to make this trade here? I find so many of our listeners struggle with trying to make in-draft trades without knowing what they're getting. 
Yeah, and startups, it's confusing, right? It's just a bunch of numbers, 20.02, 14.03, stuff mm -hmm. like that. And really what it comes down to is, like you said, assign player names to those picks, right? Use what if whatever app you're using for that startup draft, scroll down, see what's available. If it's 3.06, right? Pick around pick number 42. See who's there that you might like or not like, right? If you're selling CD Lamb for certain picks, do I like the players in this range? Like you said, would I want to sell him for T. Higgins plus whoever? Mm -hmm. Assign those player names, and it makes much, much more sense when you're looking at these startup trades. Yeah, and that, like I said, that's something right now I know Adam and I are working on about giving each pick a, a value. So you can look at that value and say, okay, this is that guy that's going to be going in this area. This is a an actual numerical value that goes here. So when you trade a five and a seven, that's worth the same as this. And I feel like that's just something that comes with drafting. I mean, you and I have been in tons of drafts. A lot of guys, we just did smash except 11. It's almost done. But there's guys that are like, how do you figure out where these players go? And I think the easiest thing right now is to find that ADP. I've been using, I, I hype them up on every podcast, but bulletproof with two Fs at the end.com. They do the ADP. They scrub the sleeper app. Right now there's over 700 drafts and you get to see where guys are going. You get to get a, a good feel. Is it going to be ide ideal? Is it going to be exact? No, but you have an idea of it's going to be somebody in that three to pick, four pick range. So great, great trade set in. Fun one to talk about. We talked about Alave before. Now I want to talk about a trade set in from FF underscore Mikey 10. Who would you rather have in a 16 team dynasty? Judy and Ayuk? or Chris Olave. So we, we talked about you love Olave. Judy's a guy I'm really high on. Ayuk has, you know, coming off a wide receiver 15 season, but it's a 16 teamer. So how interest, how much does that change from 12 to 16 team when you're talking about a two for one trade? A lot. <laughs> uh, long story short, I mean, if you're talking in comparison to 12 team leagues, assuming they start three wide receivers. That's another 48 wide receivers mm -hmm. that are being started every single week. So it matters quite a bit. It really depends on roster here and scoring settings. I think I still lean Alave, but again, in, in a deep, deep 16 team league, even 14 teams, it makes mm -hmm. it a little bit difficult. I could definitely see taking the package here. I'm just not super sold on Judy or Ayuk. I think both of those guys are being projected for more solid target shares than we actually know right now. Mm -hmm. I know Judy outperformed, uh, outproduced Sutton last year. And I know that we see the splits with Ayuk and Debo, and he actually outperformed him last year points per game. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, both of those offenses are going to be very spread in target share, I think. I don't know that there's a clear number one for either of them and on top of that the Niners are going to be pretty run heavy as they have been the last couple of years so I think I still lean Alave here but again to your point in a deeper 16 team format it's understandable and it's pretty fair I think yeah and Twitter had it like 54 46 it was really close you know I think it's a matter of where you're at with that you know like I went I went on the Judy side because I feel like I'm looking at two wide receivers who you know, you're giving up Chris Olave, who's likely going to be a wide receiver one this year for two young wide receivers who are probably in that wide receiver two range. So it really just depends. Like if I already have an alpha wide receiver, I'd be more willing to make this move to make sure I, you know, solidify my wide receiver room. 16 teamers are a new, are just a different beast. Like people don't realize how difficult that is to try to fill rosters, especially when you look at it, if it's at start 10 in a 16 teamer. I mean, then you start to like, to your point, by the time you get to you're starting four wide receivers, now you're starting 48 guys. The wide receiver 48 is not, you know, the, the two guys that you're starting there is a huge difference. On the flip side, we got a trade in sent in from Drew Heinrichs. It's Heinrich, at Heinrichs Drew, a 10-teamer start 11, Christian Watson or Alvin Kamara and a 24-second. So we just talked about Alvin Kamara a little bit. Is this a trade that you'd be considering making? We're looking at a 10-teamer. He says it's – Pretty basic, start three flex, two running backs, three wide receivers. I think this is a pretty fair deal. Again, in a shallower 10-team format, that second could end up being as early as pick number 11, so a back-end first in a 12-team league. So depending on where that projects and team need, I think this is pretty fair overall. 
I'm looking at I, – I think that's a great point. Like I, I'm firmly on the Christian Watson side. But as far as what you talked about, right, when you look at the picks, because people are always sending me that, hey, what pick? I want – I have the 203. 20, what's the league size, right? If it is a 10-teamer, you know, if it goes early second, like to your point, <laughs> that's an early – that's a late first or in our league, right? Like we always look at everything as a, a 12-team type. How – important do you look at things in a 10 teamer we talk about it all the time where you got to start your studs you want to make sure you get to that way you know a lot of people out there are really starting to get new to dynasty they don't want to jump into a 12 teamer they feel like a 10 team is a lot more comfortable with the guys that they get to start yeah it matters a lot because we talk about the differences already in one quarterback versus super flex or two qb um, already that changes a lot of the rookie draft values because in, in a true two QB, you have to be taking those quarterbacks over the running backs and wide receiver because otherwise you're literally taking zeros if you don't have two startable quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. um, in that format, I want at least four guaranteed starting quarterbacks, right? Um, Superflex is a little bit better because for bye weeks or injuries, you can at least throw somebody into that starting spot and still get some production. One quarterback, obviously, that pushes up all of the running backs and wide receivers up in run, in rookie drafts. So quarterbacks are much, much devalued. Although true difference makers, I think, like Anthony Richardson, are still worth taking fairly early in one QB rookie drafts. And then when you look at league size, like we just said, right? Conversely, whereas the 201 in a 10-team league could be the 111 in another 12-team uh, format, I was looking at a question on Twitter the other day where they said how many firsts, I think, for some wide receiver in a 16-team league. Well, that's different because if all those are quote-unquote late projected firsts for teams that are looking to contend, those could be picks 15, 16, 14. You're looking at three mid-seconds all of a sudden for potentially a wide receiver one. So, again, it depends quite a bit, and it also depends, we've talked about this before, on how well you think you can project those picks because people say, I see it even now in this 2023 offseason, people are saying, oh, an early 2025 first. And yeah. That yeah, they're doing it two well, years now. Yeah. It could be a really, really bad roster in your eyes, but a lot can change in a month or even a week in the season, right? All of a sudden, some of those guys that you think are roster cloggers on one of the worst teams in your league. They might be putting up 10, 20 points for a stretch, and all of a sudden that 2025 first could end up being mid, late even, depending on what other moves that Dynasty GM is making. So, again, projecting picks this far out is really tough to do, and I would not try to project exact picks. I would look at anything more than a year out as probably mid. Yeah, that's, that's one thing you and I have done all along. The 25 first among people are starting to sell, right? Like the 24 firsts are, are becoming just like the 2023 class. It started to get harder and harder and harder to get them because we were projecting the class. I'm getting 25 firsts. Like I, I'm seeing some trades here where people are getting 25 firsts for Alvin Kamara. Like I would, I would smash that right now. I would absolutely hit the smash accept button trying to move there because a lot of teams conversely to what you said is like, Someone could be good this year, but that doesn't mean 2024 they're going to be good. And that 2025 first, you know, ends up getting to be a much better pick. Let's start talking about some Alvin Kamara picks because I'm looking at, at Sleeper right now and I see 27 trades in the last 24 hours. That blows my mind, right? Like, so people are out there. Some of them are pretty cheap, you know, random 24 second. Uh, we got Christian Kirk and Alvin Kamara, Kamara for George Pickens. I think that's one where... You know, depending on if you're win now, you get Kamara and Kirk for George Pickens. I'm all for that. Um, you know, we have Rashad Bateman for Alvin Kamara. Now, that's an interesting one. I know you and I have talked a lot about the Baltimore offense. I think the Baltimore offense is about to absolutely explode. Do you look at anyone in that offense? Because I mean, there's there's Bateman. Obviously, Andrews is is where he belongs. But I know you really love Zay Flowers. Bateman's another guy in there. Are they ultimately rising Lamar Jackson to that top five area, or one of these guys going to hit? And would you trade Kamara for Bateman? Yeah, looking at my current rankings, I have Bateman about twenty spots uh, ahead of Kamara overall, and this was already kind of priced in because 
all along this offseason, my view on Camaro was, and I, I think this still holds true with the pleading down to the misdemeanor because we did expect that. Uh, Drew Davenport's a great follow on Twitter. He explains a lot of the legal ins and outs. Mm-hmm. But with him pleading down, I would put it at a 10% chance that Camara gets a six-game suspension, a 10% chance that he gets no suspension and plays every single game, and then a 40% chance of two games and a 40% chance of four games. That's how I personally look at it based on what we've seen the league do in the past. Now, that may not matter because we know the NFL does whatever it wants based on PR and based on whatever they feel like doing any given offseason. But I have Kamara worth around the 203 rookie pick in Superflex. So early second, maybe even late first in one QB. I do think he's still going to be productive this year, even though we saw a little bit of a decline in efficiency. We know Derek Carr isn't afraid to check it down. Josh Jacobs was a fantasy monster last year because of Mm -hmm. that. And Mm -hmm. we've talked on previous shows why this is why I'm a little bit lower on Kendra Miller, right? I do think they signed Jamal Williams with the intent to use him, particularly around the goal line in that old Mark Ingram type role. Not that different from what he was doing in Detroit, right? And I do think Kamara is going to see the bulk of the passing down work. And I'm just not sure what that leaves Miller, even though they are probably expecting him to be the future. I don't know that Kamara is going to be in New Orleans in 2024. But for this coming season, at least, I do think Kamara is a solid back-end RB1, high-end RB2 with that pass-catching potential. So I do think people are sleeping on him a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at some of these trades, and I I feel like people are just selling him for peanuts in some of these. I mean, I looked right now, I just saw Kamara and Odell Beckham for Mike White. Like what? Wait, what? You're, you're just trying to get Mike White. You see Alvin Kamara for Richie James in a third. Like if you guys can get these kind of deals, I mean, Alvin Kamara for Brian Robinson in a third. I see. Um, I mean, these, these are just, this is just way too cheap. Alvin Kamara for Jimmy Garoppolo. That one, you know, I could say I, you could debate a little bit, but I still want the upside of, of Alvin Kamara. Um, the, this is just crazy. Some of these deals, like they just made Alvin Kamara for two twenty-four thirds, and these are these are actual trades. I'm not actually considering that anything. There, you said the two hundred three. I think that's very pertinent. If anybody comes at you with a first, I'm taking it. Any twenty-four first, any twenty-five first. If you start to get into the second, you know, you want to make sure you get yourself a another running back in that type of situation. Um, is there any way we always talk about what we want to do with that? I mean, I would tear up from Kamara to, to an Aaron Jones or Joe Mixon to be a little bit safer in my estimation. Maybe there's no real tear down to get to anybody unless you get maybe a, an early 24 second and, you know, a certain running back. What are you trying to do if you're a Kamara owner right now? I'm probably just holding because I don't think you're going to find too many buyers. Of course, it depends on the league. I would not tear up to Jones or Mixon because I don't view their ranges of outcomes as that different from Kamara's, to be honest. Um, The Saints invested in Derek Carr. They went out and got him this offseason. They have a top five, top eight offense, or excuse me, defense. And if Michael Thomas is healthy, I think this is a team that could be a playoff contender. I don't think Mm -hmm. they're going to be in the Super Bowl by any means. But I do think they have a fair chance to win the division, and this is a team that wants to contend. So even though Kamara may fall off a little bit, he'll be turning 28 pretty soon this summer, I think they are happy to run him into the ground this year and try to make the playoffs and make a run as far as they can go with that defense because we know that Dennis Allen prides himself on that side of the ball, and we saw that they were able to shut down even Tom Brady and the Bucks. Uh, for the last couple of seasons. So this is a good team. I know a lot of people are high on the Falcons, but I still think this is the Saints division to lose in 2023. And I do think they're going to use Kamara a lot, especially in the passing game. So I would not look to tear up from him because in redraft, if we knew right now that he's getting zero game suspension, I would probably take him over Aaron Jones, to be honest. So I, I would prefer him over him in dynasty at cost. If you're looking to tear down, if you can get, you know, like I said, an early second and then take a shot on guys who I like uh, who are being forgotten about as well. Rashad Penny, Damian Harris, mm-hmm. who have touchdown upside in their respective offenses. 
I'd consider tearing down. But in general, I am pretty high on Kamara if we're actually going to see him on the field, especially as soon as week four or week two. I like it. I mean, I, I, I've i been huge on Jones all offseason. I just see Kamara had a slight down tip where, where Jones did. But I think now we've gotten to an area where 112, where Kendra Miller was going, 111 and 112. You've opened up a window here where people are messaging me a lot recently of, uh, would you give that 112 for – for Aaron Jones right now? Would you give that 112 for Kamara plus a little bit? Would you give that 112 for Joe Mixon? If you're all in contender, you know, Kendra Miller doesn't feel like that type that's going to do anything for you at this stage in the game. You know, I know Snoog will be mad for me saying that, but the 112 has just lost a little bit of value. That 111, 112 with Miller moving back out of that area. I'm still, I'm with you on Devin A. Chain because I think he still belongs in the area. He's moved into the second. But how comfortable are you when you get to that 112 now? Because a lot of our listeners still have drafts in July and August of moving it for one of these veteran running backs. Yeah, in my rankings, I have guys like Aaron Jones worth right around the 112. So I think that's mm-hmm. fair if you're looking to contend. Um, Derrick Henry is another guy in that range. Moving back into the Early second, I think, again, people are sleeping on Will Levis in Superflex. The Titans went up and got him. I do think that he could play by the end of this season, depending on how they're doing at that point. Um, Sam Laporta got some hype, but now that we're in the, the dead part of the offseason, that's dropped off a little. I still think his ceiling is incredibly high, and he's mm-hmm. valued much, much lower. I think you can probably get him even in the late second in some leagues. Um, Another guy that I've talked about before, Hennon Hooker, is being kind of left for dead because Jared Goff uh, is still there in Detroit, and they kept the same offensive coordinator. And look, I think that offense is going to be good. But do I think they're true contenders in the NFL playoffs if they make it there? I wouldn't go that far. And if Goff is inconsistent at at all, as we've seen him be in years past, I think there's a non-zero chance that we see Hennon Hooker late this season. Uh, potentially in 2024. So I think he's, I've seen him slip to the third round in some super flex rookie drafts. And I think he firmly belongs in that mid second range. So yeah, I think there's still a lot of value there, even if guys like Kendra Miller are, are slipping a little bit. Yeah. I've been firmly buying him everywhere, like 205, 208. I'm with you on hooker. Um, I think Goff starts the entire year, but I do think there are at least going to be some options there. Sticking with the quarterback position now, like this is one where you know that I've been hyping Kyler Murray everywhere. I got him at 7-11 in Scott Fishbowl as a, you know, when you play that type format, you're trying to have that most upside possible. And one of our, our big time listeners, um, it's at it's underscore RS underscore KEI. He said Kyler Murray and 224 firsts or Patrick Mahomes. He says one is late and one is a guaranteed top three. So this is an interesting debate because we have an area where Patrick Mahomes, most people say, hey, let's not even debate selling him. So we have an area now. It is super flex. Let's call that, you know, Kyler Murray and either Drake May or Marvin Harrison and a late first for Patrick Mahomes. Is this enough for you? He did not say if it was a rebuilding team. I would assume so if we're going to, you know, if you're going to be buying in on Kyler Murray. I'm buying the dip everywhere, but should you be buying this aggressively? I lean no just because of the market value for Kyler right now. I Mm -hmm. think he's being devalued by most, so I think you could probably squeeze a little bit more out. He's all the way down to 303. If in current ADP, if this guy is super confident that it is going to be a top two, top three, maybe 101, right? We've seen the hype get pushed mm-hmm. up for Trevor Lawrence and then Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, not quite as much, but we've seen that these 101 QBs can be worth first round startup values depending mm-hmm. on the hype any given offseason. So I think it's an interesting deal. It depends, again, on whether you can get more because of the value of Kyler right now mm-hmm. and also how confident he is that that is going to be a very early 2024 first. Let's let's stick to some other Kyler Murray trades. We'll just do rapid fire. Kyler Murray at 25 first or Trevor Lawrence? Give me the package there. I kind of like that, too. This one blows my mind. 
Kyler Murray and Rashad Bateman for Stefan Diggs. I don't know who's – and this is Superflex. I don't know who's adding on top of Kyler Murray. That one's a smash. But the next one, Kyler Murray or Tua Tagovailoa. So if you're in a situation, a lot of people are like, yo, Dad, I have Kyler Murray, but I'm like a win-now team. Like, is this a lateral move here that you would feel comfortable? I think Kyler Murray has ultimately more value, but moving to Tua at least keeps you relevant. Yeah, I actually have Tua ranked two spots ahead of Murray. Um, so I, I'm high on Tua. I know that there's some risk with the concussions, but I think the Dolphins are legit Super Bowl contenders if Tua can stay healthy. That maybe that's a big if, but knock on wood, I think if he's healthy, he has MVP upside. I mm-hmm. think the Dolphins have Super Bowl upside. So give me Tua if you're contending. I'm fine with that swap. Same thing. There's another trade here. Kyler Murray straight up for Dak Prescott. I feel like that's a, a similar type move. I have um, – I have Tua, Dak, and Murray literally back-to-back-to-back in my rankings. So, yeah, I think that's fine. A couple more quick ones here that we'll hit on. I got a guy here. We got Kyler Murray or Jordan Love, a 24 first and a 24 second. That one really comes down to where you think the first might end up Mm because I'm not super high in Love. I think it would need to be a fairly early first for me to consider um, selling Kyler Murray for that. And then there's an interesting one here, and I want to talk about this because we talk a lot about in the Patreon, people are like, would you trade this player for that player? One for one kind of thing. And and I always say, well, let's try to make it two for two and upgrade somewhere at a position where you feel like you're you're kind of moving around. Kyler Murray and Gabe Davis or Cooper Cup and Geno Smith? This feels like a guy that's trying to win now and just making a move. I think that's fine. Um, I would try to get a second added on, but mm. overall, I would say that's a fair deal. And the last one, you knew I was going to go there. Kyler Murray or Trey Lance, a 24 first and a 24 second, because I do want to get into Trey Lance a little bit because I was sitting there at in the 12th round of, of Scott Fishbowl, and I was like, dude, this guy feels like someone who could, you know, and, and same thing in, in, in Smash Except 11 when I got to when he was there again. I'm like, Man, I want to I want to buy in on Trey Lance now that he's cheaper. But let's talk about Kyler Murray or Trey Lance, a 24 first and a 24 second in a 12 team super flex. Yeah, getting the first and second on top makes that a smash. And I, I know people really want to talk about the Niners situation, so we'll we'll uh, dip our toes in for just a second. Uh, we've already talked so much about it that I feel like I don't. I know, want to like myself, but. Everyone keeps asking because they don't – now that we're doing Scott Fishbowl, now that we're doing redraft, like in my head I'm like, you know what, like there is a really good chance that Trey Lance starts week one. And if Trey Lance starts week one, there's also, because of his talent-wise, a real good chance that he starts for multiple weeks. But the coach speaks says it's going to be Purdy. So it's like this is a huge area where you can can extrapolate some value one way or another if if you feel the right way and you guess correctly. And I, I recorded a podcast. I was a guest on a podcast a while back, and you guys can look back through my tweets where I went into this for about 15 minutes, giving my full detail on how I think about it. But the long story short is I believe they signed Sam Darnold as insurance for Brock Purdy because at the time that he didn't, he didn't even have a surgery yet, I believe, by the start of free agency, or he had just undergone surgery and they had no idea on the timeline. And now they have really a a good problem to have, right, for a team that is strong basically across their entire roster, and they can worry about which quarterback can lead them to a potential Super Bowl. And really, I think people are buying in a lot to all the coach speak, and I do definitely think they want Purdy to be the starter and they want to see what they have in him. But at the same time, when have we ever heard a team say, no, I don't think our starting quarterback's going to be ready, right? It's always positive, especially mm-hmm. this early in the offseason. And we've already had glowing reports that he started throwing. Well, he's been throwing tennis balls, right? Or footballs at half speed. And that's a lot different from actually ramping up to training camp and the preseason. And again, I think it's still very much up in the air who's going to be the week one starter. We're going to get clarity on it. Probably not until the last week of the preseason, if I had to say, right? Maybe not until Sunday morning when we wake up to the the tweet notification from Schefter about who's going to be the starting quarterback week one for the San Francisco 49ers. 
And then maybe that changes by kickoff, right? We, we have no idea right now. And I think Purdy definitely is the leader because we've consistently gotten that message from the Niners. But I do think there's still a question about health and that if Trey Lance does start the first couple of weeks, he could play very well. And we'll see. I, I a lot of interesting trades here. And I know you, you know, I, I'm, I'm starting to get in there where I'm starting to see value. I mean, this one's Trey Lance for Devin A-Chain in a third. And I think as much as you like A-Chain, I mean, this is a potential quarterback situation, which we know those are worth considerably more. Some people, I mean, I saw Trey Lance in a 24 second for a 24 first. Now, again, we don't know where that's at, but that changes things a lot. One I really like that I really wanted to, to just talk about is Trey Lance, Brock Purdy for C.J. Stroud. So, you know, C.J. Stroud is a, a nice prospect. Is getting two guys like this, you know, where I know a lot of dynasty owners are like, well, you know, I'm getting two guys, but only one of them is going to get a start. I mean, is there a situation where these, this, like we trade for running back sometimes, you know, you trade for, you get a backup running back and then they leave and become two starters. Is there, there's got to be a situation there where Trey Lance and Brock Purdy, one of them moves on next year to a different situation. You get the insulation of at least you're going to have one starter here. Talk to me a little bit about this trade because I find it quite interesting. Yeah, if, if if you're if you're trading Trey Lance and Brock Purdy for CJ Stroud, it's pure cowardice because you're saying I don't know what's going to happen and I'm scared to find out what's going to happen if I hold on to these guys because mm-hmm. I like Stroud as a talent. Um, I have him ranked fairly high, but at the same time, in terms of actual fantasy points per game. We know that he has athleticism, but that he doesn't really run a ton, or at least he hasn't in college. So from a pure fantasy perspective, unless he all of a sudden does start running more, I don't know that his floor and ceiling outcome is all that different from Brock Purdy, right? In that back-end QB1, high-end QB2 range in fantasy. And then on top of that, like you said, regardless of what happens with that situation, one of these guys is likely going to be the starter. And we know that in Kyle Shanahan's offense, that has value. And then if for whatever reason they move on from Lance, whether it be a trade or they cut him next off season, whatever it is, you potentially get two starters depending on what happens. So really there's a lot of upside, a little bit of risk, but not that much more risk than with Stroud, who we haven't seen play a snap yet. Right. So I think that this is an easy smash for the two Niners quarterbacks in my eyes. I think that's definitely an interesting one. And I'm seeing Brock Purdy go fairly cheap, too, if you're believing that side. I mean, Baker Mayfield in a 25 second for Brock Purdy. I think that's worth the speculation. Jimmy Garoppolo uh, and a 25 second for Purdy in a 25 third. I I would make those kind of moves because I I think Purdy will be a lot more relevant in those kind kind of situations. Yeah, I, I was going to say, it's not like I haven't moved Lance down in my rankings or moved mm-hmm. Purdy up because we obviously have to react to news, right? Even if I think that the health situation is still kind of up in the air, clearly the coach speak prefers Purdy. And I don't really understand, honestly, why he's so cheap still. Because even though I am a Lance believer, we know the, the floor and ceiling is pretty high in San Francisco, assuming yeah. Purdy does win that starting job and hold on to it. So, and we know that as soon as that announcement's made, right, if, if they're saying he's going to start next week, whether it's week one or week four, or week six, whatever it is, all of a sudden he's worth a, a first plus in Superflex. So if you're going to roll the dice on him for a second or anything along those lines, I would gladly buy him, even though I believe in Lance. Yeah, and, and right now, I mean, in those kind of situations when you're not 100% sure, I usually like to buy the cheaper option. And right now, Trey Lance is going early seven. Brock Purdy's going late nine. You know, and if if that, I feel like that's going to continue to get closer as we get, you know, closer to the season. And there's definitely a way to to win and extrapolate some value there. Um, I, I've been having a lot of people say they're drafting Lance in the seventh and Purdy in the ninth because they want to handcuff the quarterbacks. And that one's one that I usually steer away from, right? So I was like, if you believe in Lance. Then I think you should be you should be into a situation where you're trying to, you know, pick up another asset there in that same area as opposed to taking two. Like I'm okay taking Tua in the third, and then I love taking Mike White in the 18th. You know, like when you're taking a quarterback in the seventh and the ninth for the same situation, that just feels really risky to me. 
That's uh, that's an interesting conversation because I would say in best ball, don't do that because really in the large field tournaments, we, we only want the ceiling outcomes. And like, uh, I think Mike Leone said, you want to draft like you're right. Right. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. in those cases, it's a dead roster spot, but in dynasty where you have the opportunity to make trades and flip these guys for rookie picks, et cetera, I don't hate it, but it depends on the price. Mm -hmm. So I will say that because I think there's upside for both of them. And again, depending on the league mate, you could probably sell both of them for profit at different points in the season, depending on the news blurbs that are coming out from Adam Schefter. Yeah, I just when I'm doing a startup, I, I mean, I'm looking at guys in that area and it's, it's Darren Waller, James Cook, Kendra Miller, Mac Jones, like you're in an area where I feel like you can start to fill out your roster. And I know that kind of goes against what we're talking about. When you're doing a dynasty startup, you do want to fill a roster, but you do also want to take the values there. So I, I, I get what you're saying. And I, I just, for me, I'm like, I, I ended up taking Trey Lance and smash except 11 and then flipped him, him and JMO for, for Dak, because I, it was in a situation where I consolidated so much value. So Matt, I'm I'm excited. I know you are as well. The the dynasty offseason is almost no longer an offseason, right? We are almost in the the point scoring season. We got Kluge's coming on next week, which will be a blast because you and I went on his show a couple weeks ago. I'm excited for a lot of these these camp news to shake out and try to figure things out. And uh, man, like this is this is what we do it for, right? Like this is what we do. This is that fun time of year. We just wanted to talk about some trades and really, you know let you guys know we're here to help with those things. So Mung, anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah. Uh, you guys should follow me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And you should be on the lookout uh, either tomorrow or today, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, because every off season, I try to do one long article. That's a deep dive into a topic that I found to be interesting. Um, in 2020, the piece was about how the Bucks were going to win the Super Bowl. In 2021, it was talking about buying Joe Mixon in Dynasty, and that was the year he finished as a top five fantasy running back. Uh, last offseason, it was about Trey Lance, which sadly, with the injury and everything that happened, did not work out. Swing and a miss for sure. And this offseason, it's about Mark Andrews versus Travis Kelsey in 2023. So you guys are going to definitely want to check that out. I love that. And, it, you know, I – I love that you shared the hits and the misses, even though it wasn't, it's not necessarily a miss there. I mean, you, you were all over that. I remember in 2020 with the bucks and with Joe Mixon and John was on that as well. So man, Mark Andrews, people haven't caught up on it yet. Like he is going to absolutely eat with the Ravens this year. It's going to be a fantastic year. Love it. Thanks again for tuning in guys and enjoy the process.